Welcome to the Servant's Heart Chapel podcast with Pastor Daryl Underwood. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. Last week we didn't get very far. We only got 10 verses in. Hopefully we'll do a little bit better this time. We'll be able to finish up this chapter of Acts 16. Today we are going to talk about uh, a couple of big events that occurred that Luke thought was worthwhile mentioning. First, someone gets saved. We're going we're gonna to cover that. and We're going to talk about uh, Paul and Silas getting arrested and getting sent to prison and what happens there and what lessons we can gather from that. <coughs> Pardon me. So beginning with verse 11. Then sailing from Trous, we ran a straight course to Samothrace the next day to Neapolis, and then there from Philippi, a Roman colony, which was a leading city in that district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for a number of days on the Sabbath. Day we went outside, went outside the city, outside the city gate by the river, where we thought there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. So first, you see, they did a lot of traveling, a lot going on, went to a lot of different places, uh, and and they end up in this place uh, uh, on the Sabbath day, and they and they went outside. There wasn't. It was a small town. There, there wasn't an actual synagogue building. So they went where they thought people would be uh, worshiping. They were worshiping outside by a river. That would be a nice spot. And so we're doing now. So we don't have a river nearby. But we're doing now what people were doing 2,000 years ago. And they sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. My thought there, where was the men? The guys weren't there. It's a sad state. All too often, the women are, are, are the God-fearing ones. The women are, are the God-followers. All too many families, the, the, the mother is is the one that goes to church and, and makes sure the kids learn about Jesus. The husband is either just a nominal Christian who, who goes to church once in a while when it's convenient to do so, or doesn't bother at all. He spoke to the women gathered there. Verse 14, a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Theatira, who worshipped God, was listening. So she, dealing in purple cloth, that's pretty significant. Um, Purple at this time, the color purple was hard to come by. That's why you see in old movies of kings and, and, and queens, they're wearing purple. It's because that was a very expensive color to have 
and she's so, she's so dealt in this uh, fabric. So she did well for herself. She was a good businesswoman, but she worshipped God, and she was listening. She was listening. Oh, that people would listen. They hear, but they don't listen. Whether it's the gospel or a Bible truth about sin, they don't pay attention. But she was listening that day. And because she was listening, a verse says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention what was spoken by Paul. Did you know that? If someone has an interest enough to listen, God will open up your heart to really pay attention and hear the preaching. Verse 15, after she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. She was excited and she persuaded them. Notice the, the, um, the chain of events that occurred for this person, for this woman to be saved. First, missionaries obeyed God and, and went out of their way and they traveled somewhere. They left what was known and comfortable. They left what was known and comfortable because they knew that's what God wanted them to do. That had to happen. And so, and, and then next, Lydia went to church. That had to happen too. She was seeking God. People who seek after God go to church. Those who aren't seeking after God don't show up to church. So Lydia went to church, and she and she not only went to church, but she listened to the sermon that had to happen. She was paying attention to what was. She wasn't thinking about her business. Oh, I, I, tomorrow morning I got to get up early and, and take stock and, and prep things to, to go to market. Oh, and I got to tell so-and-so that I need so much uh, fabric for the week after that. And Oh, I still have to collect money from that one person who owes me money. She, wasn't, she was listening to the sermon. And finally, Lydia believed and obeyed God. She believed and she obeyed God. If any one of the, the missionaries obeying God and, and, and traveling, Lydia going to church, listening to the sermon, and then believing and, and obeying God, if any one, it's like a chain, if any one of those links broke, Lydia wouldn't have gotten saved. She wouldn't have converted. There's a notice the group effort. You have 
the effort of those sharing the gospel and the effort of those receiving the gospel. You have to have both. And maybe I'm preaching this to myself as much as anybody else. We plant and we water. God provides the increase. But in order for someone to truly be converted, they have to play a part in that. We can't force anybody to be saved. We can't just trick them into being saved. It has to be sincere. They can't just be playing games. Verse 16. Once we, uh, as we were on our way to prayer, uh, a slave girl met with us at a, who had a spirit of prediction. Or it could also be translated, a spirit by which she predicted the future. She was possessed. And she made a, uh, Bible says she made a large profit for her owners by way of fortune telling. Anything to do with uh, predicting the future, fortune telling has demonic connection. Ouija boards, tarot cards, those are not of God. This woman had the spirit of prediction, and she's, she's a slave to these guys and making a lot of money for them. Verse 17, as she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? And verse 18, she did this for many days. She followed them around, telling them that all oh, these guys are, are showing you the way to salvation, the servants of the Most High God. The devil will sometimes do this as a way of connecting his lies to the truth by association. We see this today. I remember, well, I don't remember. I, I was, uh, I happened to notice a story by Ray Comfort. He shared this uh, following story. He said, uh, for two years, now Ray Comfort is known to be a street preacher going out and sharing the gospel with people. He's really good in apologetics. Um, and talking to uh, all manner of people about the realities of the Bible. And he said, for two years I was heckled almost daily by a woman named Petra. She dressed in black, carried a wooden staff, and she said she was the prophet to the nation. As in the days of Noah, only eight would be saved. She maintained that she was one of them and that she determined who the other seven would be. She also claimed that my spirit visited her spirit in the night. And he put in parentheses, it did not. <laughs> the problem was that she would amen much of what I preached, adding her thoughts at the points I made. She would do this at the top of her very loud voice. It must have appeared to newcomers that we were a team preaching the same thing. 
This is why I was delighted every now and then she would get angry with something that I said and let out a string of cuss words, revealing to the crowd that we were not on the same side. So the devil will do that. And did that to Paul and Silas. Does that today, as we saw with the example that Ray Comfort provided. Verse 17. So we had the situation, right? As she followed Paul and, and us, she cried out. Or, or I said that. Uh, let's um, Verse 18, and she did this for many days. But Paul was greatly aggravated. And turning to the Spirit said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners saw their hope of profit was gone, See, she could no longer tell a teacher. She was no longer possessed by this demon. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Verse 20, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. That word uh, disturbing, uh, I thought it was interesting because uh, the Greek word that comes from uh, can be translated as confusion. It literally means to agitate. And I, when I read that, I thought to myself, you know, we Christians have been accused of being agitators from the very beginning. That's what was going on there and even today. Not long ago. I came across an article uh, that was titled, Why Love the Sinner, Hate the Sin Isn't Good Enough. You know, that's our stance. We love people. We hate sin. But we love people. And the article, the premise of the article, the title of the article was, That's Not Good Enough. And, and, the, and I read the article, uh, and... By the way, it was a terribly written article. It was horrible. Um, the main point was it's not good enough because some of those who believe that don't believe in gay rights, as the author put it. So it's not good enough. You have to accept everything we believe we want to do and never ever say it's wrong only then otherwise we are considered homophobic we're considered haters we're considered agitators and so that that never matters so they're they're saying there what happens now happened then these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews, verse 21, and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. Verse 22, 
Now, what were they talking about there? Well, there's this Roman law forbidding practicing any religion that was not officially sanctioned by the state. And that's true. There was a law. Technically, they were right. But that law, as far as our historians know, was almost never enforced. So this is just a matter of convenience for them. Because they weren't mad because they were preaching Christ crucified. They weren't mad that they were preaching that Jesus is the Son of God and we had to go to Him for forgiveness, for salvation. They were mad because Paul had freed the, a woman from the bondage of demonic possession. And now their prophet, their moneymaker, was done. Verse 22. <clears throat> then the mob joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them in jail, ordered the, the jailer to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. So let's just stop for a second and take a snapshot of what we have here. We have Paul and Silas, mostly naked, if not completely so, beaten badly. So in pain, wore out, in an ancient prison, and not just that, and, and probably what we would consider solitary confinement. And their feet were locked in stocks. So they couldn't stand up. They couldn't move around much. And I learned this in my training uh, for... Uh, military training for survival and evasion and resistance and escape. Uh, when one sits on a, a very hard surface for a long period of time, no matter how much you adjust yourself, you're always in pain. It just hurts. If you can't get up, lay down, you're forced to sit like that, um, so they're, they're, they're in pain from the beating, pain from, from being uh, placed in stocks. It's dark, dreary. So what do they do? Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's not surprising. Have you ever been praying to God and you just got blessed and you and you and you started singing? That that the moment praying to God, you start feeling God's presence near and, and it was so strong and, and the tears began to flow down your cheeks and you just raise your hands and in and, and adoration to the Lord. That's what happened to Paul and Silas. 
I think it's a good example for us. You may not end up in uh, ancient prison and solitary confinement and having been beaten, have your feet placed in stocks. But maybe you're going through a very difficult situation. Maybe it's the, the most difficult situation you've ever been in your life. I would encourage you to do what Paul and Silas did. They prayed. And maybe there are times where you just can't sleep. You got a lot in your mind, or maybe there's a pain and illness like Lori. So many years, she'd be in so much pain, she couldn't sleep. So she'd be up in the middle of the night. What'd she do? She prayed. And that's what Paul and Silas did. And they began singing hymns to God. And, and the Bible says the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas were singing, were obviously having an impact on the prisoners. Because the Bible doesn't say the prisoners minded it. It was the middle of the night. They're probably, probably trying to sleep. Yet what little, if anything, if you go to sleep, you forget where you are. But they were just listening to Paul and Silas. So many times we might find ourselves, David talked about song, songs in the night. You giveth me songs in the night. The times of dark points in our lives, God gives us a song in our heart. Before he, before he became D.L. Moody's famous song leader, Ira Sankey was assigned to night guard duty in the American Civil War. While on duty one night, he lifted his eyes toward heaven and began to sing middle of this horrible war, middle of the night, I'm sure he was tired, he began to sing, praising the Lord while he was alone. At least he thought he was alone. Years later, after the war had ended, uh, Sankey was on a ship traveling across the Atlantic Ocean, and since he was now a famous singer, a crowd of people approached him and asked him to sing. He lifted, up his, he lifted up his eyes toward heaven and sang a beautiful hymn. And after his song, a man from the crowd asked him if on a certain night during the Civil War he had performed night duty for a certain infantry unit. Sankey said, yes, I did. The man continued, I was on the opposite side of the war and I was hiding in a bush near your camp. With my rifle aimed at your head, I was about to shoot you when you looked toward heaven and began to sing. I thought, well, I like music, and this guy has a nice voice. I'll sit here, let him sing the song, and then I'll shoot him. He's not going anywhere. But then I realized that what you were singing 
It was the same hymn my mother used to sing in my bedside when I was a child. And it's the same hymn you sang tonight. I tried, but that night during the, the Civil War, I was powerless to shoot you. <clears throat> Iris Sankey pointed that man to Christ. He and thousands of others were saved under Sankey's ministry. All this stemmed from the fact that in the middle of the night, Sankey praised the Lord. A lost world is watching what we do. You may not have a sniper trained on you, but the world is watching and looking for some kind of hope. Paul and Silas had the ears of these prisoners. What kind of testimony do you have with those around you? So they were singing in verse 26. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake at the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself. Very normal. The normal response for a Roman soldier. He was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself. And God calls that now. You know, as I was reading the names of the 33 who died in the line of duty this past year. I wondered how many had killed themselves this past year. And maybe someone's listening to this and, 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 and you're thinking about that. That's something on your mind. And God calls out, don't harm yourself. There's a better way. Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself, because all of us are still here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He probably, Paul and Silas have been, have been preaching there for a while. He may have caught some of their preaching. He may, who knows what had gone through his mind, maybe wondered about it, if it was true or not. But what happened that night, that got to him. And verse 30, then he escorted them out and said, Sir, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? When the reality 
of heaven hits, that's the question that comes to someone's lips. Once again, I'm thinking of Lori, the first day, the day she got saved. When she realized that God was real, she turned to me and she asked me that very question. What must I do to be saved? Verse 31, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Belief. To have trust in. To have faith in. Someone once took faith and, and made an acronym of it. I like it. It's faith by F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I take him. That's faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. He rejoiced because they believed. That's what happens in a real conversion, by the way. There's lots of happiness going around. There's tears of joy. There's lots of shouting and just acclamations and, and exclamations of praise to God. I've said people, we got people come forward uh, to, to the front to pray and, 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 and they bow their head for a little bit and they stand up and there's no emotion on their face. Now I'm not pretending to be God, but I've never seen one of those people last as a Christian. And I wondered if they really got their heart right with God at that moment. Because when you realize that God has truly forgiven you and that weight is off your heart, most people cry. Everybody smiles and there's this glow about them. Their face changes. Verse 35, when daylight came, chief magistrates sent to the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported those words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. So come now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial. Although we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail. And now they're trying to smuggle us out secretly. Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. Paul was right. What had happened to them was illegal. And he called them out on it, which we as Christians have a right to. We don't want to, he didn't want to set a, a, a precedent. Where Christians could just be mistreated. And not be called out at least. 
So he, he told them that, and then verse 38, then the police reported those words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Why were they afraid? Because what they did was illegal, and actually the sentence for that is death. So they were afraid. Verse 39, so they came and apologized to them and escorted them out. They urged them to leave town. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house where they saw and encouraged their brothers and departed. They encouraged everybody. We need encouragement. We need to encourage one another whenever we can. Let us do that. Praise the Lord. If someone gets saved and we see so much here. If anything, the most significant verse, two verses in this passage, when the jailer asks, what must I do to be saved? And the response is, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You will be rescued. If your heart is not with God, then you're not in a safe place. And most people with sin in their lives, not just they're not safe. They could tumble into hell at any moment, but they're dealing with so much pain and suffering. All we have to do is believe in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also, take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at ServantsHeartChapel.org, and you can email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.